This is Blood and Firewater, a true crime, comedy, discussion type podcast. We shoot tequila and we chase it with a case of murder. Just as a disclaimer, this podcast contains mature content not suitable for all ages. So listener's discretion is advised. I am your host Rashad and I would like to thank each and every one of you for tuning into the show. We promise not to be insensitive to the victims and respect their families. However, we will poke fun at other persons, places, and things involved with the case. We're not professionals, and we don't pretend to be. Welcome to Blood and Fire Water. I'm your host, Rashad. With me, as always, is Dre. We're we're finishing up the BTK uh, episode. This is part two, I guess. Um... I don't, I don't really, I don't, I haven't really just figured out how to introduce like socials like that with a part two. So, hey, socials, Instagram, Blood and Fire Water Podcast, Twitter, Snapchat, BFW Pod Squad. Okay, so we're just going to go straight back into part two of the BTK episode. Where we ended off was that he had a... Uh, he had dropped a mixtape, pretty much. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't a mixtape. But it was a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a chapter page of his, uh, you know, book, whatever. So Like a manifesto? Yeah, like a manifesto. Apparently, like, uh, don't get me wrong. It sounded like a fire-ass mixtape. Title number one. A serial killer is born. Number two, dawn. Number three, fetish. Number four, fantasy world. Number five, the search begins. Number six, BTK's haunts. Number seven, PJ's. Number eight, MO, ID ruse. Number nine, hits. Number ten, treasured memories. Number eleven, final curtain call. Number 12, Dusk. Number 13, Will There More. Fire ass mixtape. I feel like those are bangers like through and through the entire mixtape, no skips. So with, with that with that package that he sent, uh he also sent a um a word search. To keep the police busy while they weren't, I guess, looking for him. Whatever. The word search contained traits of the murders associated with the BTK. Now, there may be some people that believe that. Maybe. Just maybe. They're talking to a psychopath. And they are. But maybe. Not the right one. It's really hard to believe that a serial killer would just start taunting police after so long that there's no way that they're talking to the same guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it just doesn't make any sense. But like I said in part one, he's bored. And he's a dick. Some investigators thought, we've done the psychological profile on a guy like this and they want to boast and brag and think that they're smarter than everyone else but above all 
absolutely they have to tell their own story every time like that's just a serial killers just mo so the best thing that authorities do throughout history is just to keep them talking like let them let them let them keep talking so the news station k-a-k-e or cake played a part in the investigation they knew he watched the news because he had communicated with them before in the past they broadcasted that they received the communication from him on the 4th of may and they were in full cooperation of whatever he was trying to communicate basically like hey whatever you sent here we got it and we communicated it um the the television station was basically a middleman for investigators june 9th 2004 a third letter was discovered taped to the back of a stop sign in a very busy intersection in the letter titled quote death on a cold january morning unquote the chilling details of the Otero murder in full detail were in the letter. Where everyone was found, what they were wearing, the kind of knots he tied. Very, very convincing information. If you doubted that you were chasing the wrong guy, now you got doubt. Like, who the fuck ties knots like this? And then remembers how they tied knots like, what, 20 years ago? 30 years ago? Like, who? Like, how do you? Like, I tied a double crisscross applesauce knot. And. I feel like you would remember that. Come on now. Somebody. Just listen, all right? <clears throat> if you tie a double crisscross applesauce knot from 20 years ago, you're going to be like, damn, do you remember when I did that? I was the shit. Well, I guess when you kill somebody, yeah. In the letter, BTK spoke in third person under the name of Rex. And I mean, in the letter, he wrote literally what people were saying in the Otero house minutes before their death. That's how bored he was in this letter. July 17th, 2004. Four, another letter gets left at the Wichita Public Library threatening more murders. October 22nd, 2004, fifth letter arrives at Omni Center Package Drop at 250 North Kansas, giving a backstory of the mythos that is BTK. Very fabricated. This letter basically was a fake story of how BTK was like. Attracted to his mother, she called him jerking off. She told him he was going to hell. You know, she basically beat him, all that jazz. And then he got hard. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, no. Mm. So, he was basically trying to throw off investigators, I feel like. Like, he was trying to, like, create a create a backstory for btk it's just like oh yeah he was this crazy dude who got hard when his mom beat him like that's cool i guess 
but it would basically take everything off the board of the psychological profile that investigators already had for BTK. But there's a new sheriff in town. Well, police chief, anyway, and sheriff. There was a guy named Lieutenant Ken Landweir. He's new. He thinks, hey, we can catch BTK. We can do this. And the department's best chances of uh, catching the BTK is basically to keep him talking. If he keeps talking, he's going to mess up somewhere, just like they thought in the past. Give him enough rope, he's going to hang himself. The FBI suggested that there would there should be only one person to correspond with BTK through Cake TV to be the face of the police department. That person was to give specific information. Every word that is communicated should be scripted to later cater to the ego of the serial killer. That person was Ken Landwehr. These publications broadcasted on TV and probably on radio and print were not meant, not, they weren't meant for the public. Like, the police department knew that he watched the news. They knew that BGK was like waiting for his name to come up in the news. And he'd been sending that TV station letters for years. Like they knew he watched the show like a fan, like dead ass fan. The only person to communicate in such a way to authorities without getting caught like this is the zodiac like that's it like like it's the zodiac and then this guy but there's a bit of a time crunch we're talking about communicating with a serial killer here so lives are at risk and on december 13th 2004 another disturbing discovery would be discovered in a local park near Park City. I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote that sentence. So there's that. Mm -hmm. BTK raped, bound, and murdered a Barbie doll. So, yeah, it was a Barbie doll. It was a package this time. The license of Nancy Fox was was found inside of a plastic bag. Also inside of the package was a Barbie doll depicting Nancy the way she was found, murdered and bound the exact same way down to the exact same color bindings of the rope, then the same knots, then the same everything else. Police, you know, as they needed more proof that they were talking to the same guy that murdered this woman 30 years ago. They also tested items found for DNA samples, but were unsuccessful. BTK was able to put these letters and packages together in the most just, you know, forensically undetectively way. That's, that's probably that's 
explain how you say that. He didn't get caught when he sent this letter. What BTK did, or Dennis Rader, whatever, what he did was he collected stamps. So, like, um, it wasn't weird for him to be caught with gloves or, like, a magnifying glass or just being very, just, like, meticulous in any sense of the word. Like, he did it on Wednesdays when his wife went to choir practice and his kids were like, oh, dad's doing stamp stuff. He's got the gloves on. Like, like that's when he did it. And no one thought any different. Like, So he was like very inconspicuous about it. Don't get me wrong. But the communications were coming from the household for the most part until you find out about the next part so january 25th 2005 damn yeah he started he started in 1974 just just like fucking with police my man could have just went down at in history as like one of the greatest like serial killers but like he just could not stop fucking with police i guess BTK wrote a postcard to Cake, and he's like, hey, I left, uh, I left you guys something near 69th North and Seneca. Also, he's like, did you all get that other package I left, though? I left something at a Home Depot, and you never responded, and I'm like, in my feels about it, and I don't really know how to express that, so I'm gonna just start killing people again. The police don't even know about the Home Depot thing. Everybody's looking around like, the fuck is, the fuck is the Home Depot thing? Like, what, what, what are we, what are we talking about? Inside the Post Toasties cereal box that was left at 69th North and Seneca, he wrote the word killer on the front of the box. You see what he did there? Serial killer. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I get it. Yeah, he, he's... That's clever. Oh, that's clever. Inside the box was another murdered Barbie doll. This one replicated the murder of Josephine Otero. The whole nine, same binding, same noose. He even went as far as to use a piece of drainage pipe to resemble what she was tied to. So the police are like, we gotta find this guy. He obviously remembers everything he's ever done. Like, ever. It's been like, what, 30 years? Like, even in his prime, I mean, I I get it. He He's trying to get with the times, but he's trying to stay, you know, respectful of his age, I guess. He could have been the first, like, Facebook killer or MySpace killer or whatever. But he obviously chose to keep it local. While they're doing that, they're also working on the Home Depot thing. Apparently, BTK made a drop in the back of someone's truck, you know, real smooth-like. The truck was in the back of the parking lot, not really visible from 2004 state-of-the-art Home Depot cameras. The police couldn't really see BTK, but they saw a dark-colored SUV pull up to a car, make the drop, then leave. 
They found whose car was parked in that spot, and it was an employee. Don't worry, this is going to come up later. So the police, they leave a note at the Home Depot for anyone to come forward if they saw or received anything strange in the last couple days or a week. And the next day, the guy that went on vacation at Home Depot was back, and he had something to report. He found a wheels. He found a weird cereal box in the back of his truck, but he threw it away and then he went out of town. The police were like, gather the rookies. We're going to the city dump. We're about to go digging into some shit. Then an hour later, the guy from the Home Depot calls and he's like, wait, hold on. It's right here. It's in the trash still. I didn't pull it out to the curb. Before I went out of town. It's whatever. Police haul their ass over to the guy's house. You know, sirens wailing. Shooting out the windows and shit. Just to get to the cereal box. Because I'm assuming they thought. They missed this communication from BTK. Then they thought. This might be a search of a landfill. So, you know. They just don't know anything anymore. But whatever. It's fine. So in this package was several items, some jewelry of, you know, some previous victims. But one of the most idiotic things inside of the package was a note that said, quote, can I communicate with Floppy and not be traced to a computer? Be honest, unquote. Well, it said a lot more than that. I just don't have the note verbatim, so I'm not going to go into that. By now, I assume everybody knows that the only thing to, like, make sure you have, like, a white hard drive or anything like that is to drop that motherfucker in the middle of a volcano. That's the only sheer fire way to know your hard drive is wiped or drop in the middle of the ocean. But that wasn't the police's main concern. <laughs> Oh, they were more concerned about BTK sending a virus or a Trojan that would basically multiply within the police department system, giving BTK access to all of their information, files, you know, that sort of thing. Or they could go, you know, as far as it being a incendiary device or bomb or, in, or something like that. Or, you know, let's say they actually go through with it and they go after whatever information that they trace from the floppy disk and it turns out to be the wrong guy. Then it shows BTK that they weren't being honest. So then he goes out and starts rage killing again. So like there's a, you know, a multitude of situations that could happen. The police had to tread lightly on this. So in the letter, BTK said, if so, if, you know, we can trust you, if if not we, if I can trust you to tell me that I can talk to you with a floppy disk because the way I'm writing letters doesn't work apparently and y'all are communicating quite well with these letters, whatever, he wants to use the floppy disk. I don't understand why he wanted to use the floppy disk. Like, that's, that's what I don't understand. Like I, I've been doing I've been doing this research for a while. Hello. Like 
all of a sudden you want to use a floppy disk to communicate with police? Like, what? Whatever. So in the letter, BTK said, if so, if it's cool, place an ad in the Wichita Eagle with the message, quote, Rex, it will be okay, unquote. February 16th, 2005, a disc arrived in a package sent to KSAS slash TV with a file that contained instructions to detectives about further communications. The package also contained some jewelry from some of the victims from back in the day. The disc was x-rayed first for explosives and other types of incendiary devices. Can't be too careful, like I said. And if there was the presence of any viruses or trojans, they used basically a burner computer to install the floppy disk to make sure of all those um, secondary cautions. The disk was given to Officer Randy Stone, who was skilled in computer technology and used a forensic program. I think it was called Escape. I can't. I do believe it was called Escape. Like, I'm, I'm going off memory, so. But the forensic program basically gave him the ability to see deleted files, hidden data, but most importantly, the who, what, and where of all of the files on that floppy disk and where they came from. The information showed that the last file that had been modified was at Wichita's Christ Lutheran Church by username, quote-unquote, Dennis. A quick Google search of the church's website showed that a man named Dennis Rader was the president of the congregation. Some further sleuthing of the church's directory gave the physical address of Dennis Rader, and when they drove past his house, they saw the black Jeep Cherokee. The same car they saw in the surveillance videos from the Home Depot. A little more digging and the police discovered that Dennis Rader was a compliance officer for Park City and had an office, and had an office inside of City Hall, meaning he had been hiding in plain sight. The investigators didn't know if he had a mole inside of the department, so they had to tread even lighter and not tell anyone about the discovery but they already know it's about to go down. Lieutenant Landwehr, you know, new new lieutenant, I'm sorry if you haven't heard part one, tells his guys to put Dennis Rader on a 24-hour watch. Remember, they got his DNA. If this is the guy, his DNA will match the samples that they already have. A warrant was issued for the medical records of his of Dennis's rate. A medical or uh, a warrant was issued for the medical records of Dennis's. Jesus, a warrant was issued for the medical records of Dennis Rader's daughter Carrie, who was attending Kansas State University. They got her DNA from a pap smear, if you were wondering. Tested the sample, and boom, it was a match. Dennis Rader is BTK. He's proper fuck now. 12 p.m. February 25th, 2005. The task force, police, SWAT, helicopters, tanks, cats, snakes, 
chickens, ducks, they're all on their way to intercept BTK. They knew he came home for lunch every day, just like he always did, and they were going to catch him somewhere in between, and boy did they ever. He was pulled over, cuffed, and searched. Dennis then turned to the arresting officer and asked that he tell his wife that he would be home late for lunch. The arresting officer was like, get your motherfucker, <laughs> get your ass in the car. Like, we ain't got time for this. They hauled their ass back downtown as fast as they got there to the Epic Center for interrogation. Shortly after his arrest, his house, vehicle, and work office were searched, obviously, because of the old strangling thing. And law enforcement officials, including a Wichita police bomb unit, two SWAT trucks, and KBI, FBI, and ATF agents weren't surprised to see his collection of trophies from over the years. Items collected from the victims and their houses, jewelry, underwear, and driver's licenses, I hate the word licenses, were found underneath the floorboards. Very, very detailed and meticulous notes were found, logs and logs of times in which potential victims left for work, came home, which way, like legit map diagrams of how they came and left the neighborhood. And there are notes for night times too, like what time you turned your lights off for the night, how many lights you turned off, where your room was, that kind of stuff. To police, it wasn't that they thought he was some kind of serial killer mastermind, but they 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 did. They really did think he was like a mastermind, like the Joker, or like some kind of super villain. They really thought that he would be smarter than this. Like, he named his murders projects. He had hit clothes. He had hit kits. He corresponded with television stations and police departments over decades. But no bombs, no guns, no backup plan, no no arch enemies, like, no vil- no, nothing the the search <laughs> the search team probably yeah the the search team probably cost the city like half a million dollars and i could have told you that all of his trophies and all that bullshit he was hiding was underneath the floorboards in his house and i could have told you that he was planning all of this shit at work i could have i could have told you that i don't get paid for this he literally got caught trying to flex that that was congratulations you played yourself he did do a couple things good back when there was no you know dna but like that was it the interrogation session started with raider landwehr and an fbi agent while other laws law enforcement watched remotely and the interrogation went on for over 30 hours. They started with some opening questions, you know, do you come here often? What's, what's your age, sex, and location? 
Then they dropped that floppy disk on the table and was like, ha ha. And Raider's like, quote, I need to ask you, how come you lied to me? How come you lied to me? Unquote. And Landwehr replied, quote, because I was trying to catch you. Unquote. Dumbass. Like, hello, I'm a police officer. I'm, I'm trying to catch a serial killer. My bad. If I had to lie to you. Whatever. Then they asked nicely for him to basically identify himself to authorities. And that's when Dennis Rader told investigators that he was in fact the BTK. But Raider was upset, okay, which is understandable. He did ask them to be honest in the in the note and like, hey, can you track me? And they were like, mm, it's cool. And then they lied, so like betrayal. But also, you killed ten people. What? Like, no, I'm I'm agreeing with you. Don't you you haven't let like... me you haven't let me catch up with. Okay. I was fault. I was trying to get to that. That's me. That's my fault. Okay. 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 Somebody that was more more upset than Dennis was his wife. She was very upset with the police department for arresting her husband and because I'm assuming that they told her that he'd be late for lunch that day and a couple more times for a couple more lifetimes. Another person that was in complete shock was his daughter, completely flabbergasted. She was like, like, she asked investigators if that's what happened, like, all this shit that they're telling, like, hey, your dad's BTK, and he strangled a whole bunch of people, and then she's like, do you think that's what happened to Mrs. Hedge down the street from me, the woman that lived seven doors down from BTK? And they were like, what? So BTK's daughter basically told the FBI that her father had nine bodies instead of eight. During the course of the interrogation, Raider confessed to the eight murders that they, you know, were like, hey, you did you do these? And he's like, yeah. And then he was like, well, I did do two more that y'all don't know about. The task force was split into different groups to interrogate Raider about each individual murder and Raider remembered everything. Two of the murders, the last two, Raider was on a camping retreat thing with his son and his boy scout troop. Under the cover of darkness, he left, went, and murdered Dolores Davis and Marine Hedge on two different occasions. Came back to the retreat thing, took some weird ass pictures, disturbing ass pictures. Of himself tied up with the porcelain mask on. Bring that up later. The mask that he tried on. Okay, bringing it up right now. The mask that he tried to put on Dolores' face after he murdered her and tried to have sex with her dead body. However, she was undergoing severe decomposition. And Raider no longer found her attractive. So he thought the mask would help. It did not. He had been 
stopped while on the way from one of the campground killings and he told the cop that he was just going to a gas station to change clothes because he didn't want to change clothes in a tent and the cop let him on his way. He wanted the investigators to know he wasn't a bad person. You know, he was a good husband, a good father. He was a great provider, a helpful neighbor, and a, a contribution to the neighborhood. He worked hard for the church, and he liked his job, but he also liked to choke people to death. He was like, look, I'll tell you guys where to find the quote-unquote mother load, which was at work where he constructed his communications as BTK. Inside were files, several three-ring binders full of uh, news articles, clippings, copies of the previous communications, flashcards displaying different types of binding torture methods, clippings from books he was featured in, pictures of women he would pretend that he was with, with clever little captions like I would like to wrap Sparky in your hair that sort of thing <laughs> I'm sorry okay that, that was that Sparky I'm, was the I'm name of his ahead. dick but the most disturbing I guess if all of that didn't disturb you was the pictures that Dennis Rader took of himself with his Polaroid camera he rigged the camera with a button so that he took selfies way before it was cool. But in his selfies, well, he took pictures of himself in full bondage. Okay. Dressed in women's clothes. Alright. Sometimes clothes from previous victims. Hanging from sewer pipes. Hanging from trees. Or buried in the ground. There was a lot of outside stuff, too. Coincidentally, the ones he did outside were the ones that he did on, on his Boy Scout trips. And then, that's when investigators see the same mask that they saw from the Dolores Davis case. Okay, maybe that's not disturbing enough. What about this? Remember the part when I told you that he took the body of Marine Hedge from her house to a church where he was the president of? Well, that night, he took her body into the church and literally did God knows what with her, then took pictures of her body, still bound, still dead. I mean, an altar and a pulpit and shit in the background, the church itself that he's the president of. Nobody we've covered thus far has stooped this low. I mean, yeah, Dahmer ate people and took pictures and made a shrine and was a pedophile. And okay, but he, he keeps getting worse. Like he, he didn't do this. <laughs> he he didn't he left Jesus out of this. Raider began to relish in his confession, getting aroused, excited, and then hard, all in that order. He told police about the stress ball that he used to strengthen his hands for strangling people because he wasn't that great at strangling people. He told detectives what he would do to prepare after trolling his victims. He would he told them about their routine, who lived in the house, who didn't, the whole nine. 
I don't know if anyone ever told you to never take the same, you know, regular commute to work every day, but don't after this point. February 26, 19, February 26, 2005, Raider is identified in the news conference as the BTK suspect. His bond is set at an astonishing $10 million. On February 28th, Raider was formally charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder. He made his first appearance via video conference from jail. He was represented by a public defender, one of three. Bail was continued at $10 million. On May 3rd, District Court Judge Gregory Walter entered not guilty pleas to the 10 charges on Raider's behalf as Raider did not speak at his arraignment. On June 27th, the scheduled trial date, Raider changed his plea to guilty, meaning no trial. He unemotionally described the murders in detail and made no apologies. On August 18, 2005, after listening to impact statements from the victims' families, it was time to put Raider out to pasture. I don't mean the death penalty because Kansas reinstated the death penalty in 1994. The last BTK killing was in 1991, making all known BTK murders ineligible for the death penalty. Because Kansas had no death penalty at the time of the murders and life sentences were the only recourse of action, the judge sentenced Dennis Lynn Rader to 10 consecutive life terms, which requires him to serve a minimum of 175 years without the chance of parole. On August 19, 2005, Raider was moved from Sedgwick County Jail to El Dorado Correctional Facility, a Kansas state prison, to begin serving his life sentence as inmate hashtag #008-3707 with the earliest possible release date of February 26, 2180. 2180. So he's getting out. It's pretty. It's coming up. Raiders now being held at the EDCF Special Management Unit, also known as Solitary Confinement, for quote the inmates' own protection unquote, a designation he most likely will retain for the remainder of his incarceration. He is confined to a cell twenty-three hours a day, with the exemption of a voluntary solo one-hour exercise yard time and access to shower three times per week. Beginning April 23, 2006, having reached, quote, incentive level two, unquote, Raider has been allowed to purchase and watch television, purchase and listen to the radio, receive and read magazines, and have other privileges for good behavior. The victim's families disagreed with this decision. According to Raider's records in the Kansas Department of Corrections database, he had a Class 2 disciplinary action report concerning quote-unquote mail on April 10th, 2006. So, I mean, like, he was able to watch TV and shit after that. So, like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's, like, eating ramen and shit just, like, 
you know, everybody else. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like it's, it's any different for him. Like, he's just, uh, what do you call it? A high, a high class profile, whatever. You don't see that guy walking around, basically. I mean, we will soon. So, what's, what's popping in 2005 when my man got arrested? All right. Prashad, you want to know what's popping in 2005? Yeah, I do. Let me tell you something. Do you know that you can find DNA in poop? I can buy DNA? No, you can find it in poop. Like, if somebody poops, you can have their DNA. I thought about this shit when I spit with ants. I'm like, are those my kids? But go on. Wait, what? It's fun. Okay. Um, So, in 2005... We had to start off strong. That's when Hurricane Katrina struck. Oof. So, you know, hit the, hit the city of New Orleans. 1,600 people perished. Yeah. I remember that. That was rough, man. That was rough. That was rough. I'm bringing back an oldie but a goodie. Rashad, do you know anything about uh, performing at-home abortions? What? No. You don't? I'm not. No. No. God, oh. no. God, no. Okay, well, at home abortions guess what I said yes sir okay no I don't I, I'm sure they exist I was like you know there's nothing I can do no, about they it they do exist yeah but I'm, I'm sure they do anything about them no I don't know nothing about them do you want to no because this website could help you check this out so in 2005 YouTube started what in 2005 yeah. 2005 what that was it that's nuts I was like what <laughs> 15. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. At home abortions. Let's go. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. Rashad, have you ever been blackmailed with somebody having access to a homemade porno that you made? No. No? No. Well, you're still young. You'll get there. So, um, actually, two earthquakes hit 2005. One in Pakistan. Um, it was a 7.6. Killed about 70 thousand people 70,000 more people injured right hmm. Indonesia an 8.7 hit why is it always Second like party. in those like countries where like I don't want to just happens I don't want to yeah. say like nobody gives a shit but like I want to say like what no I don't I, I know that's <laughs> I, I don't want to say that but you, but I did, you did I yeah I did say that I remember uh, they. I was talking to somebody at work about the tsunami that hit like somewhere over there, and I was like, "Where?" And they were like, Psh. "And I was like, they just, they made a sound effect, and I just I didn't even know where the sound effect came. I still don't know where that tsunami hit to this day, but it hit it, and I was like, man." We need to. He's talking about this. We, so, what, what, else uh, you, we, what else you got? <laughs> okay, Rashad. Have you ever argued with your ex-girlfriends, ex-boyfriends, baby mama? All three. No, no, no. I need specifics. Have you ever argued with your ex-girlfriends, mm-hmm. ex-boyfriends, mm-hmm. baby mama? All three. Which one do you want? No, this is a one person. Okay, this baby mama. Person. I'll take baby mama for 700 For 700 you got it. So, Pope John Paul II died 2005. 
Second. It's like some Italy shit. Hey, there was like they like lit fire as incense and shit. Oh, everybody got lit. Four million people flew out to the Vatican to mourn him. My man's, you know, Catholicism is a big deal. You know, futures a Catholic. I can't confirm nor deny that. You said future is a Catholic. Yes. Like the rapper. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I I can't confirm nor deny that. No. The, you can. So why why say it? I'm moving right along, man. We're just gonna know. Uh, Rashad, do you know anything about obtaining an uh a panhandling license? I don't actually. Please educate me. Well, we're not talking about that at all. All right. We're actually gonna talk about Israel. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Some Middle East. So Israel. How do you say? Israeli. Is Israeli? Israeli, right? Ooh, you did you did a me. Yeah. Israeli? Israeli? I, I don't know. That just you sounds, said Israeli? I don't know. It just sounds weird to me. Like Israeli. Yeah, that definitely sounds know. weird to me. Israeli? But go on. No, nah, not that, but Israeli. Like that's that's how it's I don't know, that's just it hits me weird. So that's why I said Israeli. I don't know, it just hits me weird. Anyway, um Israeli settlers are forced to leave settlements. In the Gaza Strip, that's part of the peace settlement. You know, uh, are, we're talking about gold now. We're not. We're we're off the oil thing. Nope. Yep. Still gold or still oil, oil or gold. Doesn't matter. Middle East. <laughs> Shooting guns in the air. Fuck it. Rashad. Last but not least, I'm just gonna go ahead and ask you this here. Have you ever been picked last for any kind of sporting event in elementary school? Have I ever been picked last for anything in elementary school? Sporting event-wise. Ooh. So like kickball. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a, ter- it's a terrible-ass feeling. I'll be honest with you. Like, to be picked last at dodgeball or that kid with the parachute thing and nobody want, <laughs> wants you to fucking sit down with them... Or like, even just getting picked last, like as a partner, like if it developed from kindergarten and you're that kid that doesn't get picked and that shit just like, like, cause you go to school with those kids, like from kindergarten to like, I guess like what, third or fourth grade at least. And they remember back in the day, like no one ever picked you. You think they're going to pick you now? No. And then like. Here you are. I can't get a fucking partner. Like, how are you gonna get a prom date after that? Okay. <laughs> so this is where I had deep. I'm sorry. You got to leave your whole hometown. You get like you gotta move. You gotta move. Las Las Vegas is looking good for you in your future. I don't care where you from. You ain't from Las Vegas, cause I ain't never. I've met. So many fucking people in my life ain't never have I ever met somebody. Like, I'm from Las Vegas. <laughs> never. <laughs> okay. And anyway, we're just gonna move right along. Um, oil prices rise sharply um, throughout the year. Yeah. Because of the trouble in the Middle East, and then later Hurricane Katrina. I mean, you know, it all it all comes back to oil. Like we're, we're talking about fossil fuels here. It all it always comes back to fossil fuels. Hopefully we'll we'll come back with another episode. 
And with that being said, thank you for listening to this one. We have been your hosts, Rashad and Dre, as always. And we will be back next week with something else to talk about. Serial killer was. I'm not sure who I'm going to cover yet, but I'll figure that out later. But in the meantime, stay alert, stay alive. Follow us on our socials. BFW Pod Squad on Twitter and Inst- and Snapchat. Blood and Fire Water Podcast on Instagram. That's us. We're out.